0: Everybody, Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 547, recording today on Wednesday the 29th of August. This is the podcast to do with music technology, that's synthesizers, uh, controllers, software, music production, studios, live performance, all the things that surround the, the wide, wide world of music technology. And uh, I want to say thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this will be a show for about the next uh, hour or so, uh, I want to say if you want to... Um, Stay tuned. We've also got a competition. We've got a prize from Isotope. They will be giving away a copy of their Vocal Synth 2, which is an excellent suite of vocal processing plugins, harmonizers, vocal tract shapers, uh, vocoder, all kinds of stuff. And we'll have a little bit of uh, instru- uh, information on that a little bit later. So do stay tuned. It happens about halfway through the show. Uh, we want to say uh, hello to our guests. We've got. Uh, well, first of all, we've got Mr. Matthew Hodson, um, who's at MatthewHodson.com. is an artist, uh, educator, uh, composer, uh, and you're at uh, BIMS, where you work. That's a Brighton. What's, what is it? Bright Institute yeah. of Music?
1: Uh, Bright, Bright uh, British and Irish Modern Music Institutes. And we've got one in Brighton, London, Bristol, Manchester, Berlin. Um, yeah, we're all over, really. We've got six, six colleges now.
0: Ah, okay, right.
1: And uh, oh, yeah, so, yeah, we do music production here. We do music journalism, music business, events management, um, all those kind of things. Well, BA honours degrees, basically. And I'm I'm the course leader for the music production course, the BA honours here in in Brighton.
0: Ah, excellent. I didn't know you did music journalism. That's interesting because we're always looking yeah. for string stringers and story spotters. Maybe there's a thing we could do, but we should probably talk about that off air. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But lovely to have you, Matthew. Uh, MatthewHodson.com. yes uh, working on his EP. You can see his music there. We've also got uh, Mr. Ben Wilson, a.k.a. Div Kid, who, as you can see, is oh. somewhat of a modular specialist amongst many other talents. Uh, in fact, we don't, I don't think well, we've seen you. you. Uh, we haven't seen you since um, since Leeds Modular Meet, have we, I don't think?
2: No, no. Uh, event went really, really well. Um, couldn't be happier with it. Uh, really busy stream of people all day. Great performances um, from more ambient stuff, more traditional kind of East Coast-y mugs performance type stuff to kind of all-out techno. Um, and yeah, the recent thing, it's been pulled up in the chat, so I'll grab it. Uh, I picked up... A surge panel recently. Oh my! Um, wow. Came up very very cheap, and I just had lots of messages from a friend saying, "You're an idiot if you don't buy this. You're an idiot if you don't buy this." Over and over and over again. Um, and yeah, it's really really cool. Patching with banana kit, ca- excuse me. Uh, patching with banana cables uh, is a totally different experience. It's really good. Um, and just trying to really rinse these kind of classic um, dual slope generators that can be LFOs, oscillators, filters, a um, whole range of things. So I've kind of gone back to school with a surge system. Very um, nice. Yeah, it's, it's only are a you, panel, but it's the powerful thing.
0: Are you making up a then, load of patch cables, <laughs> converting between? I, 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 was, I
2: was really lazy and ordered some. I was just at uh, Tom down in Bristol at Bug Brand um, does. Because the thing with surge, because of the banana <laughs> sockets, they don't carry ground. They're not grounded like jacks are, mini jacks or quarter-inch jacks. Um, so there's often a ground output on the power supply if you're going to mix across systems, if you're having noise issues and any kind of grounding and stuff like that. Um, so I've just bought some. I just thought, you know what, it's, it's not worth me burning myself and messing around with a soldering iron all afternoon. Yeah. I'll just order some. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I can patch it across to the Euro stuff and back, but I haven't yet. I'm trying to just keep it contained while I learn the thing.
0: Yeah, no, good plan. Well, nice. I'm glad to see that. I, I, those nice. of you perhaps watching the intro, uh, the sort of pre-stream. I've got the, um, I've got the uh, Medusa here. I've got a camera on it. This is just a patch I made. So this is the uh, Dreadbox slash Poly and Medusa, um, and it's yes, yeah, it, so far so good. I have still yet to come to grips with some of the. Uh, Some of the sounds it can make and how it makes it, I'm not sure, like I was saying in the pre-show, I'm still not sure, you know, because it's got this great big grid and all these features on it, it's kind of, you know, it's down to how that is integrated and how that's designed as a GUI. But I mean, so far, so good. I mean, just the fact that you can store, when you recall a patch, you've then got, I think, 256 pads that you when you're in grid mode, you can just pop that in and then just store a whole new set of, every single parameter on the synth is recalled And stored when you hit so you can kind of have variants of sound that you just yeah it's kind of interesting be really it's gonna take me a little while to get get used to it but uh and figure out how to get the most of it because as I said with these sometimes since uh, while great I I tend do tend to shy away from the ones that require a completely re-educating when it comes to UI and stuff because there's just so little time to to be able to get in deep with it, because you know we we like to make sure that we're um, we do a good job, and if it's if it's something that's going to take me months to learn, then it's going to be really hard to devote the resources to it. There's nothing more sinister than that going on, but uh, people always assume that yeah. all I do is fiddle around with synths all day, which is not often the case, to be honest. With so many other things that uh, require attention in this uh, complex world, but uh anyway, um, speaking of um. Complexity. Here's something that's actually quite simple. Uh, I found this one on uh, Peter Kern's uh, CDM Music. And this is uh, so, this is a little uh, let's see, this is the Ardu Touch, which is basically a synth DIY kit for 30 bucks. And you just download your own code into it via these little sketches. It's got a couple of buttons and a couple of knobs. And you can have long press, double press, and you know, all sorts of functions on it. And they actually sound I mean, bearing in mind, this is being all generated pretty much digitally. It's quite impressive. There was another one I had here as well, which is an ARP, which sounded quite nice. So you just load these kind of sketches into them, and they're all different kinds of synths and synthesis techniques. And they're really for learning. I mean, that's the idea. That's what they've been built for. But they actually sound quite lovely in many cases. This is the ARP, and this is a, a very musical arpeggiator. I mean, obviously, the audio quality is not that great, but thirty bucks—kind of hard to argue with that. I mean, I guess uh, Matt, it could do with a MIDI input or a CV input, right, to bring it into the outside world. But
1: I was, yeah, I was going to say, stick it, stick some MIDI or CV on it, and I'm totally sold. I mean, what for thirty dollars? An Arduino? I've got an Arduino. It's sat, it's sat in um, my drawer. It's not doing much. I haven't really found a great use for it yet. And for this, I mean. Just downloading code, and changing it into a different synth completely absolutely great. I was listening to these demos with headphones on, and actually, I was really impressed by the the sonic quality of the different synths you can put onto here. Um I wanted to do a bit of digging and work out if the if the sounds are actually if they're coded in. Something like Pure Data or something like that. Um,
0: that's a good question. I'm guessing. Um, let me see. That this is the article that's on uh, on CDM Link, and he's he's included all the videos. There's a whole bunch of different yeah. videos. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, Cornfield Electronics. That's that's looks like that where it is. So you buy the kit there. I think they're in stock again. Yeah. <clears throat> what does it do? You uh, do a little. Uh, I should have probably looked into that. I mean, I imagine it probably is something like Pure Data, but yeah. it's not. No totally clear to be fair
1: no i mean that that in its that adds another layer of absolutely coolness because you know you can take a patch then and those for those of you who are who know pure data or want to get into it you can then start i mean this is how i learned pure data and and things like reactor and max msp was was kind of reverse engineering getting a patch and then trying to go in and understand how it works you know how's that oscillator built how's that connected to a filter and and this that and the other and you know this is a great level if that level's in there yeah i don't think
0: that. so that's because that's a very visual uh um uh, pure data is a very visual yeah. way of coding uh similar-ish yeah. to max msp but but different i think yeah. isn't it i mean and aren't that there, there are actually some similarities because you can compile some pure data patches to run you know, at Max MSP or the other way around. There's some kind of bridging uh, technology, yeah. isn't there, between them? I, I don't. I yeah. don't profess to know all that much. It looks like what this is is Ardu uh, Touch Library, which is uh, actually mostly written by some my friend Bill Alessi, apparently. And it comes, oh. uh, uh, the Ardu Touch Library comes with a, a sequence of example sketches, and you can try them. And you can also, they're very good tutorials on how to control, uh, contain your. Create your own synth uh, synth sketches for RG Touch. So I don't know how advanced yeah. the OS is or the the, the GUI. Perhaps it, whether it's a code based yeah. thing or what. We're not quite sure about that. But some nice. It's I mean, anything. Idea, we've talked about this before, haven't we? I mean, I'm constantly using. You know, it's like, oh, I wonder if there's something that this Pi can do. And like I said, I had you know, this this guy. Literally now, this is an RTMP. So as well as we use these in uh, yeah. when we're doing trade shows, I've got three of these. And I've, what I've written is a thing, because this has got a Wi-Fi on it, I've written something that whatever you plug, if you plug a USB stick into one of these, and I have talked about this before, you either plug a network cable or you can join a Wi-Fi network. And we've got a thing which is a battery pack, and we can strap a battery pack and like a, a, a regional uh, Wi-Fi to it. So you could leave this somewhere where there's a good, decent signal. And anything that gets plugged in, I've written code that just uploads our videos at a show to YouTube. You know, you leave it behind and then it emails you. Right. said, I've uploaded this, I've uploaded this. And then you look on YouTube and you can publish it from there. And it just means that we've got, we don't have to use the back. You know, somebody might be going, oh, I'm staying at a hotel, which has got really fun. You go, can you take this back with you and just plug it into your network, please? You know, and then then <laughs> this would, but this now is, does that, but it also is an RTMP streamer. So it's a video streamer that I just installed in it. And all I do is I point the output of a, you know, like a video uh, streaming system to this rather than to YouTube. And then I can bring this in to this program via uh, an HTTP connection. It's absolutely bonkers. So awesome. I'm a big just fan. Just a regular that's... Raspberry Pi. Yeah, I think it's a, th- wow. a Mark III, But And we've talked about this as the idea is, you know, to actually somebody needs to come up with just a very simple way to buy a Raspberry Pi, put it in a box with a power supply, maybe have a couple of knobs on it, an LCD, and then you just dump things into it. So the whole thing might cost 50, 60 quid, but it could be a dedicated drum sample playback or whatever it may be. And it just doesn't seem to have quite taken on. It's still, there's too much DIY probably to it.
1: I know, absolutely. The the only thing that comes to mind that's similar to that is the Critter and Guitari Organelle, if that's how it's pronounced. Uh, which yeah. is essentially, um, it can be whatever you want, but that does run on pure data patches. So you just dump your data patches into it and it goes from a sequencer to a drum machine to a synthesizer. And I th- think it's got an audio input as well. So I think you can run effects, you can run things through it and use it for effects. It's quite but pricey though, isn't it? It's a few hundred bucks. Oh, it,
2: yeah.
1: it really is. And what you're talking about there is essentially having this kind of chassis that you just dump this thing into. And then you know something that's got to be relatively cheap affordable hasn't it and then just dump that raspberry pi into it um or you could imagine maybe
0: some, maybe somebody creating what's the what was that um, monster um corg kind of mainframe system that gradually made its way that it that was kind of the mother load i forget what it's called now but it was the <laughs> that that would run all these types of synthesis on it and you you could you could uh, i've forgotten what the name of it's not it's not the, it's gotcha. not the
2: you about no, the no, no, I'm
0: talking. I'm talking about the big bit of hardware that was like you know maybe oh. ten years ago. I can't remember what it's called. The chat room or no? I mean, the idea of you could just buy like a box with a keyboard on it, and you could just slot as many Raspberry Pis as you want in, and each one could run a completely separate synthesis engine oh. and address a load of outputs. I don't know, Ben. Am I am I fantasizing? I mean, it just it's probably one of those <laughs> things that you know it's not worth the hassle.
2: Um, I, I mean, knowing people that build bits of desktop gear or pedals or modules like this that's very cheap and i mean to me it seems ridiculous but they'll say oh if i put a midi connector on that's another two dollar component and i'm like, yeah yeah it's two dollars chuck it on i want a midi thing you know they they talk and think in different terms i think some of these designers and um, they're in a totally different mindset um, than than i am um you know you say oh it'd be great if i had usb a quarter inch out and midi in and midi through oh, well, that's another $6 of components. Yeah, charge me another $6 for it. But it doesn't, you know, never quite works out that way. Well, it's usually a quarter, it isn't it, of, of it, the
0: final price so, or, or, or greater. So it yeah. times it by four or six.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, it seems there isn't really anything in that in-between area. I also, like Matthew, I put some headphones on, and there's some really great sounds from this. Um, And working in uh, schools at the secondary school, there's kids around 13, 14 doing little Raspberry Pi workshops on lunchtimes, and they're massively oversubscribed. The kind of technology department in the school can't keep up. So I think there's a big interest for it. To bring it into the kind of our world and music-making world, it does need those connections or some sort of chassis to hold one or several of these. I can't think of any. There was the Hoxton Owl pedal that you could dump pure data patches on. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was a Raspberry Pi. Which turned into the OWL from Rebel Technology, a rack yeah. module. Same thing. That does have a USB on the front. So plug it in, flash it, it's live, it's there. Um but then once the pure data patches got complex enough, you really needed a screen. And then you had people saying well I don't want a screen because this is modular. I want it to feel analog and it's like well yeah but it's got four knobs on it. And four CV inputs for the four knobs, but nothing is labelled. It's just one, two, three, four, or A, B, C, D. Um, so yeah, it would be nice to have some sort of interface that's in between the, you know, multiple hundreds of pounds and the sub fifty pound little devices like this.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can you can attach LCDs to these quite easily, and it just requires mm-hmm. a little bit of. I mean, we we use Raspberry Pis all over the place. We've got a Raspberry Pi on the big screen over there, which used to run uh, just a kind of google uh real-time analytics on the website so you could look up and see how many people were on what was currently trending you know that sort of thing and then we've got another raspberry pi over there which uh runs the tally lights for the cameras so that when we're in the studio you can see which one you're looking at and it also used to run we don't use the ptz anymore but it used to change programs in the ptz And that was all just from midi data coming in that i would read the raw midi bytes and then translate that out into serial data or you know GPIO pin stuff. I mean, I really enjoyed doing it, but it's a, you think modular is a time black hole. You start messing about with that and it's like your life disappears very quickly. So it's a very much of a hobbyist. You have to do it for the love of it rather than that. So maybe that's what one of the reasons. I mean, to make something that was that modular that you could then just put things in, the amount of things that could go wrong I'd imagine, you know, means that the amount of support you'd have to give, you know, the, amount of the sort of base knowledge that you would require, maybe that's the barrier to entry, and I suppose it probably is, but, you know, maybe people yeah. will get onto it.
2: What well, I... I um, you've
1: got to remember... It. Sorry, Ben. No, no, you go ahead. I was just... Yeah, I was just going to say, you just got to remember about the, the the sort of journey, you know, um, some things can take time to put together. Modular, for example, Eurorack... There's a fair amount of time that goes on behind the scenes, just trying stuff out and accidentally blowing up modules and getting frustrated and what have you. you got to think about it, though, as a journey and and what you're learning along that way and, and the things that you're picking up. Like I mentioned, how I learned Max MSP and Pure Data was it was just literally sitting down and spending a few months with it. And the end result might not have been what I was after and I might not have got the output that I wanted. But what I did learn, I learned tons on that on that journey. So you got to remember, you got to remember those things about how you invest in your time in in new technologies. You're getting hold of it. That's one thing I'd say.
0: Yeah, that's true. I remember all those countless hours I spent uh, investing on in how to integrate a Palm Pilot into my workflow. Those those hours <laughs> were were not were not maybe very well spent, but um, if you are interested in this, um, it comes you can get it from Cornfield Electronics. I don't know if there are other distributors there. Uh, cornfieldelectronics.com. It's a kit. You need you know just not a soldering iron and what and it's pretty straightforward i believe it's 30 bucks so it's not exactly kind of going to break the bank even if you break it or you might buy one and go hmm, that's good maybe i actually want to run both of those synths and there and again there's probably something you can plug into it that would give you a midi interface or some other interface you know that's the start of the journey but anyway it's kind of fun i thought um yeah. and, and you know yeah. that's that's also part of the deal right Excellent. I mean, if you're looking for things to fill your time up with, I mean, let's face it, we're perfectly prepared to noodle on synths and never release any music, so what's the difference between that and just kind of, you know, (laughs) working on something like this? Nothing, really, I I would say.
2: One quick thing I was going to say on that, it'd be great to see a kind of a $30 orchestra where several people sit and play these. I remember the laptop orchestra um, at the University of Huddersfield that I wasn't part of but saw performances of while I was at the unit. Um, they all just sat down and and members of the audience started putting laptops on their laps. And and the first thing was, why has everyone got a screen in front of them? It was all of a sudden, you know, the the audience lit up and just through laptop speakers all played several bits of sound. Some of it found sound, some of it musical, some of it quite dissonant and, you know, five, 10 minute piece emerged amongst the audience. And as the room was silent, it was loud enough just on, you know, MacBook laptop speakers. It'd be quite cool to see, um, you're thinking of a school or something like i said where there's these kind of workshops running and they are massively oversubscribed to do that kind of thing the 30 dollar orchestra or mm. you know find something i think i think we did it.
0: a i think we might have done a piece on the laptop orchestra you know way back in the uh, in the in the early years of uh pre video sonic talk i suspect it might have been there actually but uh,
2: yeah there but, is a big one over in the states isn't there that's, uh, maybe gets that maybe that was it. a bit of funding, but the concept's been kind of pushed out to other academic institutions as well. Um, They always seem to be academic. I don't know any kind of, hey, let's start a band, and and everyone takes a laptop instead of a guitar that goes on around the country. Well, the
0: the cynic in me, given the state of the UK uh, educational system where everything costs money and the courses cost a fortune to run – I imagine it eats up a lot of course time, doesn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you, you're yeah. you're actually well, we're doing stuff, you know. It's uh, but it doesn't cost very much. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit too cynical. So uh, I think with the creative courses, it doesn't work quite that way. I did actually have a very interesting uh, discussion with a, one of my neighbours who works at a university, and he was saying, you know, because we're all outraged at how much money it costs for our kids to go to university should they want to, and the debts they come out with. You know, it's I'm sure it's the same in many uh, other countries as well. And he was saying that, you know. Some of, the, some of the courses like chemistry and engineering, that that fee doesn't even cover it anymore. So now they're just sort of trying to teach people kind of spreadsheets and, and business stuff that requires very little resources. But that's a totally irrelevant fact, but I just thought I'd throw it in there. <laughs> uh, let's move on to uh, uh, to this guy. So this is a uh, new version of Touchable Pro, which has been around for a long time and it uh, runs on ios also runs on windows and it's a really fancy kind of control interface for ableton live now compatible with able to live 10. it's going to be about 30 bucks i don't think it's quite there yet but it will be around soon and it is actually totally customizable And this is another interesting just like a meta layer for controlling a program you already know you go well i actually want it to do this and you can create your own layouts and your own kind of Displays and the, the, the way that it all works, and it gives really tight integration with Ableton Live via the API, and uh, it just seems like a really smart idea. And when remember when it first came out, people swore by it. I think I, I think Richie Horton might have been involved in the original um, one of one of one of those sort of big Ableton DJs. Anyway, was involved in the development of this right way back when it started out. And you can create your own containers and scale, and you've got WAVE. You know, it's, it's kind of like super duper push, but totally configurable. And I guess you can connect it to your own um, MIDI controllers. But it also works on uh, Windows 10, so you've got multiple touchscreen as well. So it just, I mean, A, you know, as we know, massive ecosystem surrounding Ableton. And this just seems like another great way of utilising that software, but also configuring it to the way that you want, rather than just the way that Ableton use it. And I don't know if any of you use that. I, I, I know, Matt, you're uh, an Ableton Live user, and Touchable's been around for a long time. Have you ever kind of d- yeah. dug, dug in deep with that?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah I, I jumped on the Touchable bandwagon pretty much when it first came out there was a couple of other similar programs that came out at the same time that perhaps weren't as deep, didn't allow you to go in as deep and didn't have as, as, as nice, as gooey as touchable and touchables really come on over the years to where we are. Yeah. We're at touchable three now, I think. Yeah. And I website. mean, they're just, just such a pleasure to use and it's, um, you know, to run that on an iPad away from your system, you're just running it over wifi fi and just be able to sit back triggering loops wherever you are in your studio, or even when you're playing live has been really cool. Sometimes I've, I've got off the stage with the iPad and kind of walked around the audience in a live scenario and allowed them to start moving faders up and down and triggering loops accidentally and and making a mess of the music. And then you, you kind of bring that back. It was a real way to can I, kind of connect with the audience when you're playing electronic music, which can be largely um you know separate because you're on stage hiding behind a bunch of kit it was nice to jump in the in the audience and show them actually what you're doing and and get that connection that was really cool this this step up for me the fact that you can uh the big thing for me here is that you can basically build your own templates and design it and and just get it customized is just ace i would just i'd love to see that in a daw anyway i'd I'd love to love it if there was an option in Ableton or Logic where you could just click a button and then move around what you actually want on a screen and save that as a preset. That would just be that'd be great because I think you know as as great as these software programs are, these DAWs are, DAWs we've all got particular methodologies in in how we write and compose, and I bet I use some screens more often than other screens, and someone else will use. The MIDI edit- editor in a different way that I do, and if you could set them up and just have them really quick, I think that would really lend itself to our own needs as as individual music producers in in the way that we want to write music, basically. So I'm just I'm just big on the fact that you can customize this. I think that's that's really great. It Is looks it, really sexy as well, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, graphically it looks really cool.
0: Yeah, and just the fact that you know you, you people are kind of developing a GUI outside of the constraints of the code base. You know, that just seems like genius yeah. to me. And, and, and Ben, is, uh, um, Matt's right, isn't he? The idea of creating your own workflow. I mean, that's essentially what you're doing over there with, you know, reordering your modules and deciding, do you have days like that where you just kind of go, you know what, I'm going to move them all around a bit and uh, and, and and repatch everything? Or does that uh, f- factor then, lo- low in your time management? <laughs>
2: um, it, it does happen, but it would take me 20 times the time it would to redo it on Touchable. Um, But yeah, sometimes I think I just want all the sound generators here, all the filters here, all the modifiers in between and the kind of output mixing at the other end. And then you kind of get into this brain flow of I need a sound, here they all are, pick one, and now need to modify it. And and that's one way of working or building voices or going here's a drum machine, here's a bass voice, here's my lead lines. Yeah, it happens, but um, just thinking of this um, Touchable, like um, Matt I jumped on Touchable fairly early on the first version of the iPad um, and used to use it out with Ableton and a really early white plastic MacBook um, doing kind of DJ sets and a similar thing because you can have screens I used to just put maybe two big faders that look more like the um, Ribbon app that we spoke about last time I was on the really simple iPad controller and just let the kind of audience member just move filters on maybe a hiat hat and some pads or something um i'd broken the tracks down enough that it they could be messed with without kind of destroying the gig and presuming that they were like monitoring children at a playgroup because they're drunk you they don't go too far and go into the other screen and stop the whole set it did kind of work um I like it. I love the fact I like that it's got the integration for the wavetable viewing, that kind of messy, squiggly line that it yeah. looks like, and all the filter sweeps, all the kind of push Two style graphic integration they've pulled into it. Um, it looks as if they've got to the point where you wouldn't really need to look at the computer screen. I always felt with the first version and some of the other apps since that I still need to glance at the laptop, really, to, to have a full overview of what's going on this seems
0: to have nailed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the the idea. I mean, again, like you say, with push or whatever, you know, you, there are certain things that you could do. But with, with this, you could, you can customise it completely. I mean, I, I don't... Use, I've not used Touchable. I know Gaz did. And when it first came out, we when we were doing Sonic Touch, he was absolutely blown away by it. And it really kind mm-hmm. of made Ableton almost more usable than it already is. You know, so I just think it's a really yeah. cool idea. I'm not, I think they say it's going to be coming out this fall, uh, which
1: yeah, is... Yeah, I'm guessing there's... There's no upgrade path on this by the looks, from what I can see on the website, it didn't seem like there was. So I think this might be launched as a new, kind of like a new software piece on its own, rather than it being an upgrade. I don't know.
0: Right. Yeah, I I'm not sure but uh what one to look out for and I know uh, Peter Kern had a, a beta version of it and he said it, it no it absolutely rocked. What I really like is the way that you can you can see the clip uh, duration and the cycle around the clip in much sort of clearer f- way than you can on the, the live screen which is uh, you know a big a big plus. Uh anyway, right, well let's sorry
2: Go. I was just going to say, and it's cheap, I think it would be a new version. Cause they've got the, the Pro at the end now, isn't it? It's Touchable Pro, yeah. which I didn't think it had before. But it's $29.99. So it does a hell of a lot more than most things for, what, £25, $30, whatever uh, it'll yeah. be.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: Presuming yeah. you've got the iPad, that's the expense, isn't it? If you don't have wow, the iPad, yes. then it is.
1: <laughs> and,
0: and
2: the... <laughs> and
1: the,
0: the
2: they,
1: day, tend, they tend to update these things as well. You know, once you've bought something like this 20, I mean, touchable, right? Touchable version three. And that, I think that's been, yeah, that's been free upgrades since version one. And they've just improved it, improved it, improved it, improved it for that, that initial out, out, uh, outlay of 30 quid. So it's worth it, I think. That's it's, a, that's yeah. Is,
0: if can, if, uh, it's a model that if it could work well, I mean, then great. You know, definitely. Definitely. Right. Um, I was just going to have a little word from uh, our friends over at Isotope. This is uh, news of the Vocal Synth 2, which uh, I don't know if you've seen. We did have a, a look at it, and uh, it's got a whole new GUI, new vocoder, new BioVox model, which is uh, scientific modelling of the human track, so you can kind of emphasise vowel sounds and automate that. So if somebody doesn't say it right, Compuvox, uh, Box, new vocoder bands, all new effects and uh, reorderable effects, loads more. Pro- uh, presets. Really, really useful. It's like vocals Evolved, as they say. Well worth checking out. You get a 10-day free demo uh, if you download it over at isotope.com. And we've got a competition for this week. Uh, I'll just announce the winner of last week's. Uh, we've got uh, somebody called Flatbird, who is Twitter handle now, I don't know if I can actually pronounce this, at Schlandrian, uh, said, I would like to treat my vocals with Vocalsift 2 as well. More vocoding, please. So they have actually won. So if you want to get in touch at Schlandrian or otherwise known as Flatbird, please do. And we will pass on uh, your details to Isotope, and you'll get your copy of Isotope's Vocal Synth 2. And uh, we're going to uh, run the competition now. So if you're interested in winning a copy of Vocal Synth 2, we're looking for the hashtag worldofvocals. That's one word. So worldofvocals, all as one word. The hashtag Vocal 2 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So that's the hashtag worldofvocals, the hashtag VocalSynth 2 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So Inc. Enter that, and you'll be, um, well, may well win next week. We pick it randomly from all the entries and thank you very much to Isotope for uh, providing the prize this week. Uh, okay, uh, this was a this is also kind of interesting. Not much information and quite a swanky video. So this is a new Tascam Model 24, which is essentially kind of old style analog desk, built-in audio interface, 24-track multi-track recording either via USB or via SD core, card and you can flip The inputs, so the input could be the live input, uh, the uh, USB return, or the SD card. So lots of flexibility, that's per channel, it's not a global thing. Uh, It looks like four buses there, record directly, uh, built-in effects, compressor per channel. And it sort of follows in the... um, Tascam model because Tascam have been making these kind of things for a while but it's been a long time coming and I think it's maybe in response to uh, the Zoom L track which I know Gaz was raving about because it's just such a great idea the idea you know you've got a simple interface with a mixer on it that you can record on and you can just mix on and this seems to be taking it to a new level it's going to be coming out uh, later in the year we haven't got the pricing on it I'm guessing it's got to be somewhere somewhere between one and two thousand but that's totally I have no information and Matt when this came up you sort of said wow if I knew about this and I didn't and uh, I could have waited I might have bought that
1: yeah absolutely I'm I could I could talk about this all day so I'm a big fan of mixing desks that double up as sound cards run over USB or Firewire I've just sold uh, my Mackie uh, 1640i which was Firewire I since upgraded into a new Mac, which is USB-C, and yes. FireWire is kind of becoming legacy. It was time to move on with that Onyx, um, and I looked around for something exactly the same as this. This Tascam uh, Model Twenty Four. If I'd known about this two weeks ago, I'd have probably jumped on it. Um, instead, I went down the old school route and bought a big analog Mackie Thirty Two um eight bus and uh separate sound cards and i've gone down that route so i'm I'm sticking with that now but this for me 24 channels all over usb happy days it's just it's just so easy to use you three auxiliaries which is minimum of what i ever want you know one on reverb one on delay and then the third one usually using either for sound uh side chaining or uh, sending auxiliaries out to a compressor or something like that and using a compressor as a send. Um, but the one, the the, the the big question for me, which I haven't been able to find on this, is the output on the faders post or pre-fader? Because I'm am a I'm a big post-fader fan in terms of once I've got my sound and my levels on the desk, I like to record that out as it is and just capture my performance, particularly when I'm working with modular. I don't want to then rebalance things. So um, I've, i did email them today to ask about this if if the output is post or pre-fade or if mm, that is good even question
0: off. it might be i can't see the, the the image isn't quite high enough res to pull it in uh so i can't quite see. i like the old styling of it and you're right those are like uh, the, the, the mackie onyxes uh i remember you know mo- most modular meets you go to where people were performing i remember phil billsby uh vco adsr he used to use a Mackie Onyx. Loads of people do, and it's it, because you could just buy and plug everything in, and then record everything. And it is such a simple thing. That's what I use the uh, Behringer XR18 for. You plug everything in, and you can record it or not. And yeah. that is really powerful. I would say, yeah, good, good yeah. call. And there isn't really anything else. You're right. I, I mean, well, there's no, the I... Zoom. There's the Zoom, isn't there? You could you could do it with the Zoom. Yeah,
1: there is. Yeah. There is the Zoom, um, and then there's a few like the Allen and Heath Z series desks, but. A lot of them, they don't give you that uh, multi-channel track, multi-track channels in and out. They no, it's just two I2, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah and that's, that's, that's just not, I just can't do that. I do need things multi-tracked, even though I'm recording things post-fader and I've got that mix at a later date, I might need to go back and get those stems for either a remix or I might want to go out and do a, a DJ mix without the modular and, you know, just just run things from Ableton or, or Tractor or something like that. So I need to have those stems still. So there really isn't anything like this in the market. I'd love to see a 32-channel version of this and I'd love to know, uh, yeah, I'd love to know the price and I'd love to know if these direct outputs are pre- or post-fader for me. Yeah, uh,
0: I'm sure it's switchable. I know be Ben... Good, I- you you, we're right though the onyx you see them all over the place still don't you
2: yeah 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 they're great other than now being firewire which you can get adapters and get it into thunderbolt on a mac but it's iffy at best i had kind of mixed results uh we still use one on an older machine uh in one of the uh, schools i work at it's solid the preamps have been good eq's all right um Big enough desk to actually get your hands in and do a mix. You've got LED on the Onyx 16, 1640 that Matthew just sold. Um, you've got a little LED meter on each channel. So if something's feeding back, you can jump right to that channel. Um, yeah, Ooh. great mixers. Um, the video very the video for this Tascam seemed very much like the Zoom video. Yeah, so yeah. not only did it go, oh, that's kind of similar. It's almost like they hired the same video team and band to be in a room, um, which I don't know whether that's a coincidence or not. But yeah, the the idea of the, the mixer being the sound card um, is key, and I think Matthew said a good point of it being pre or post fader. It, the idea of it being a mixer for recording is near enough useless if it's pre fader, because then it might as well just be a box that has a lot of inputs that you capture. Um, so I hope yeah, hope you can that's do true.
0: I, I suppose that one thing that we would put um, I I once say a uh, lady aptitude in the chat room uh, did say and I think she's st- it's still there uh, 999 at Sweetwater that is a good price. I think the difference is between this because there are a lot of digital desks that do this, you know there's the Alan Heath the Qmix there's th- there are a bunch you know studio um <laughs> Um, well, uh, anyway, there are, but they're digital consoles. And I think the thing about the uh, the Tascam is it's an analog console with those things added to it. So there's a difference there. And that's 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 the sort of big difference. So uh, um, uh, maybe that's, you know, I, I was sort of anticipating that, uh, you know, there's nothing else out there, but there is stuff out there, but it's mostly digital. And that's fine. And I don't mind that either. It's just, I think the styling of this is just, you know, it's quite, it's just, there's something really nicely retro about it that I just think is uh, is, you know, takes you back doesn't it and it might well be useful yeah Uh, i love it it's a
1: small footprint as well it doesn't take up too much room like say three 22 channels three auxes, two bus as well which is really useful for obviously busing stuff out um although i don't think those buses go out via via the digital outputs so i think you only get your 22 channels but then you can't record those buses out from what i can see Right, um, but I'm not sure you know, for its size. It's it's just going to be price point on this one f- for me. Um, yeah, nine 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 US. Be- oh really? Right. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's a good um, price.
1: That's good. I might might be selling my Mackie thirty two eight then in a few yeah. weeks. Well, I I, I do.
0: I do wonder whether or not there's actually uh, n- maybe there's been a new sort of USB chipset or audio interface chipset because i mean most of these things probably rely on the same basic component that you buy from you know samsung or or somebody like that so that's why we're seeing a lot more of these coming out um yeah yeah, i I don't Um, know whether that's the case there
1: has been so few of them on the market i i I did a lot of research into this for weeks and i was just thinking there must be something out there that does this that i'm looking for and why didn't um, you
0: why how come you didn't go for a digital
1: it was it was the it was the post fader Recording output, I used to have, uh, for example, I jumped on the Soundcraft MTK24, 24, 24 channels, USB, nice little desk, um, but it was all pre-fader outputs. And um, yeah, it's, the post-fader thing such a big one. Like Ben says, you might as well just have a unit that you're just capturing sound into, really. For, for me, a lot of what I'm doing on the desk, I just want to capture exactly what I'm hearing those levels, uh, the panning, the EQ, basically.
0: I see. So okay. Can- well, I mean, I, you know, you can, on certainly on the Behringer stuff, I mean, I've been, uh, we've got the X32 here and that is, that'll just, you know, all of that is totally yeah. configurable. In fact, what I'm considering now is uh, putting a, a an SD recording card in it. They're about 160 quid or something and that'll just record yeah. all 32 I.O. Onto, onto SD cards as a recorder and you just bang That's it you great. can only record 8 or you can record 16 or record 32 and then but if, to do that we'd have to get rid of the ADAT card and the ADAT card is what runs the remote stage box which is over there so I'd have right. to buy a, an SD8 stage box which is so it's, it's about 600 <laughs> quid to do that rather than you know so but
1: it would be yeah, yeah it would be nice uh, the, 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 I mean the, that Behringer X desk looks really good uh, the one thing though that was really again really important to me is I need to be able to to reach over and maybe on three or a f- couple of channels, change auxiliary sends, you know, reverbs and delays, say on channel one and channel seven.
0: At the same time, at
1: the, right. At the same yeah. time. Whereas on well, the you, Behringer, I think you'll have to do a bit of menu diving.
0: No, you don't. You can, uh, I, 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 I can tell you what you do. You press. Uh, you press sends on fader and then the bus that you basically, want to send it to same. so you just can basically ah. you know, there's a block of 16 and then you can just push yeah. them up as faders so it's, okay. it's not quite the same it's not as reaching as a one for one that's, thing but yeah it's it's yeah. viable or you could route. um you've got the the, the kind of the, the four f- knobs that are assignable that you could assign to dev- specific channels on the fly effectively ah. and do it that way so i mean there's always a way yeah. but it's just whether that's yeah. immediate enough for you i suppose <laughs> yeah
2: yeah i wish uh, it that, was Sorry, I was just going to say, I wish, Matt, again, heavily in agreement with all what Matthew said on this one, but just earlier when we got onto this, he said, I wish it was 32 channels. Um, I felt the same. I really like using analog desks as feedback loops. So there's maybe the send going out to a delay that might have its own feedback knob, but then I bring it into a channel rather than a return, and then I can EQ the delay coming back and send it back on itself again. So it's like putting an EQ in the feedback loop of your delay, or bringing the delay back on a channel, sending that to the reverb, but then the reverb feeds the input of the delay. So for creating these ambient
1: yeah. and
2: alive yeah. flowing things, and once you start doing that, you know, you, you pull a couple of feedback loops in that's four channels gone or more. And yeah. then you're down to pretty much working on what feels like a 16 track desk again, because you've been a bit heavy handed with the effects and, and how you've rooted yeah. it. I wish yeah. someone would do it two, in a similar style um but as you said nick with the x32 that's what's under here um you can configure the four assignable knobs or choose what's on the faders not quite one-to-one but you could set it up in a kind of performance way if you like yeah absolutely um,
0: yeah i would agree uh, sounds like you've got uh intruders there somebody i'm guessing that's you ben
2: you, have you released uh, the, have uh, you released uh, the
0: hounds in a Mr Burns sort of style there
2: I don't know um I'm I'm just going to shut the window
0: <laughs> yeah make it go away make it go away well uh yes as we say this should be coming out towards the end of the year uh 999 according to lady aptitude in the chat room so that's pretty cool so great i mean that's that's what we like to see um okay what have we got left oh we should do this um before we get on to maybe some of the other flip ones uh, gosh it's this is uh, yeah, just out uh, as well, I think it was released yesterday or last this morning actually. I got the email. This is the Del Eric the Delra, C- El- Ray uh, Theater. There was a Spectrasonics special event. This is a 45-minute show. So I'm not going to run this, but this is Eric himself introducing all the new features of so 2. Guys, 2.5, uh, which is now available. Right it's kind of fun. Uh, there's a lot of fun over there, and we'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, so there's so much that we want to show and so much cool stuff that's, that's happening. Uh, but first of all, I want to thank you guys for coming uh, to... There's a lot of, in you know, I won't play the whole thing. I know that's what I'm famous for saying, but we did also shoot a thing uh, at Superbooth, if you check our YouTube channel, uh, of uh, just the uh, hardware synth integration, which is the one of the big new features with Omnisphere 2.5. For those of you who perhaps don't know what that is, essentially they've mapped, uh, I think it's up to about 30 now, hardware synths, you know, from boutiques right up to the Profit X, where a hardware profile... Uh, communicates via MIDI, so effectively you get one-for-one one control. So they've created the sort of internal structure and in some cases added the waves and the wavetables from those particular synths. So effectively you're creating a kind of virtual version of the hardware in software. So you can use that synth to uh, to control you. Why would you do that, you might wonder? Well, there are several reasons. One, it's great to program on soft synths with dedicated control. But the other thing that's really cool is... Um, They've added extra features, you know. So, for instance, they, they've got one for the Prologue, which has multiple LFOs. They've got the, um, the Moog Sub 37, which you can make polyphonic. You know, there are all these things that they've added that, that allow you to kind of enhance the original. And it's just, and it's a free update if you've already got two. So, it's kind of a bit of a no brainer, really. And I don't know if it, any, well, no one will have really had a chance to play with this, but I know uh, in the past, you know, when uh, there was the uh, uh, Imposca uh a controller the uh, which was basically a hardware that was like a revelation you know just this sort of one-for-one control for all of the things that you could do it just kind of blows your mind you have a t- totally different relationship with it and this is it's free and you get like a thousand patches they've created with these new hardware profiles there's a new gui uh there's a whole bunch of other stuff and like i say it's a free thing i mean i'm not an omnisphere user it's kind of it's almost too, it's been too much but maybe you know with the hardware profiles i've got a couple of those synths, not that many it might be worth doing I don't know um I'll start with you Matt the Do uh, Omnisphere does it feature much in in your education world or is it uh, I guess it's quite an expensive buy-in yeah
1: yeah I have to say yeah we don't actually have it in the classrooms as such and to be fair I I've only had minimal use of it back in the day I, uh, and I think yeah, I had a, I, we had a copy in a, in a joint studio, but I remember it being a really big installation and it came on so many disks. Yeah, and, it's huge. Um, I yeah, think huge. it just used up so at that particular point, we didn't have big hard drives and things. And, and it was kind of like, yeah, that, that's going to have to go because it just ate up all, all of the storage space, basically. But I do remember it being really versatile, really fantastic to use, great sounding, and they look like they've really brought it on since then. I mean, and the fact that this is a free update as well is really cool. But um, yeah, uh, the the synthesis design in it, I think that was quite intuitive. If I remember right, back in the early versions where you could you dive in a little bit and, and, and really craft what you was after. Um, but I have to say, we I haven't used it for many, many years, but I was really intrigued to see this talk happening and, and where they're taking it. And I, I agree with you on the, um, you know, the programming your your hardware synthesizers in a virtual world and then actually bolting on additional elements into that. I think that's really, really great. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting I mean,
0: software. Does it, it still is. come
1: on on the big DVD installation or is it running on a hard drive now? Do we know?
0: Or, I, th- um, I I think you can download it now, and I remember there was when they right. released uh, there was a bigger release, and it just balked all their servers. And now I think obviously they've got the capability now. Yeah. I know Ben, <laughs> what do you think? For, fourteen th- over fourteen thousand patches. It's kind of a little bit like, well, phew, you know, where do you start? But yeah. the hardware integration, yeah. like that, I like the idea of that a lot. I damn oh.
2: um, really like the idea of the hardware integration. Um, the thousands of patches thing it's a bit like sample packs that you know sample packs from certainly the bigger companies um became a numbers game um and, and that's kind of when i was into it and making some of those um, just big audio packs and it'd be we need to hit two gig which is quite yeah. a lot of audio yeah, you know, yeah we're not yeah. talking videos or it needs to be we need to hit 500 sounds and I, I don't like that as a selling point particularly but i think with omnisphere and it's just total vast capabilities for, like, a production house, if you were going to set up. And there are a few of these still around, a kind of media house making music for adverts to order and things like that. Having a few machines with this installed, you probably wouldn't need a lot else. Um, But I haven't really explored it. They had a copy um, when I was at university. It had some nice pad presets that I tweaked. That's been about my experience with it. Um, the idea of making, you know, the the sub thirty seven polyphonic appeals though. Um, it seems like an advancement of. Um, there was a Waves plugin where you could run a sound out into a piece of hardware, so you just had a single mono rack compressor or something, and it would almost capture its behaviour like, um, not like a one off convolution capture, but almost like a spread of of time almost, and then you would save it. And that plugin would just exist and, and respond in the same way on that channel, and then you could reroute other things through the hardware and change the settings, almost like a live convolution capture kind of thing. I don't know if it's some advancement on that technology or quite. No, how it no, works. I don't think
0: so. I think what they, what I mean, from what I understand, what they've done is like in the case of the OB6, for instance, they've uh, they've sampled the waveforms uh, and created the wave table so that you go through, you know, because they're continually variable shapes. Uh, They've also modelled the OB-6 filter specifically. But things like, you know, the effects, they add effects, and it's just sort of intelligently mapped. So if you turn the chorus on, it instantiates the chorus and turns it on whereas the rest of the time it's all it's all you know resource it's cleverly programmed so the resources aren't used if you're not using them effectively you know so and they're mapping you know the the structure and the way that they go because so you know what was it he was saying at the beginning of the talk if I didn't play that part but he said you know essentially now omnisphere you can have something like 600 100- 96 oscillators per voice or some some crazy, you know, with all these ludicrous, you can stack things up to such an extent that it becomes, it's like a super synthesis environment. And, you know, in the way that that's massively impressive, it's also, you know, makes it quite difficult because there's so much to it, you know, and sometimes you just want something simple to reach for, which is, I guess you just go through the patches, maybe tweak stuff, but the hardware side of things, it's not like a modeling thing. It's sampled where, where necessary and they've modeled a couple of things on top of that so and, and when it later on in the video goes through right here's a boutique here's a this here's a that here's a system eight and they all do sound very different you know although they still have that eric treatment and there's loads of reverb on it all which is great for i mean you yeah. know it sounds fantastic he's such a great player and you know really gets sound you know he's one of the kind of greats when it comes to that so that's all right you know so so yeah i i, I mean it it's, I don't know how much it costs, actually. I should check how much Omnisphere actually costs. It's about three or 400 bucks, isn't it, I think?
2: Yeah. Um, it's almost yeah, like it it's... Is. Yeah, it's, it's like it's destined for a big studio production house, um, you know, big one of Sony's studios or Universal's buildings or something. It doesn't seem... Well, I'm not to say it's not user-friendly, but I don't know, the things like the idea of stacking up hundreds of oscillators reminds me of... Um, guitarist paul gilbert um heard of someone else recording 100 guitars playing the same thing on a track i can't remember who it was someone else famous and decided to redo it um and i think that after 20 he said you couldn't tell the difference you know and he played acoustics that he mic'd up electroacoustics strats les pauls jacksons the whole world he said and after 20 playing the same line you'd no idea what was going on yeah the wall of sound didn't get any bigger um
0: as it were. <laughs> uh, I, I'd just like to point out, uh, let's see, dual, dual tricks in the chat room, if I'm just going to send that there. He says, uh, uh, to be frank, I prefer the Arturia V Collection versus the plug plugins everywhere. And that's fair enough, actually, because ultimately, you know, it's it gives you, it's just this huge creative environment. And I suppose the thing is with the V Collection, you've got specific GUIs for sync. Because I know a lo- underneath a lot of, yeah. the, the, uh, under the hood and a lot of the Arturia thing, I've forgotten the name of the... Uh, the the engine that they use, it's kind of variants on that. It's not all kind of programmed from the ground up necessarily. It uses whatever their kind of underlying technology is, but it looks a certain way and that makes you feel a certain way. And also, even though, you know, the Arturia V collection would be great if you then also had hardware mapping on that as well, because then you accept, you know, most of the synths that that does are quite hard to come by and are going to cost you, you know, a lot of money. So it's a there's a slightly different path to it. But yeah, I mean, it is very much a kind of, it is a preset machine to a degree, but you also get deep in there. And I think people buy it. It's like that aspirational thing. It's like, oh, I could do that if I wanted. So I'll get it because I probably will. And then they probably never do, you know, because as we've seen, (laughs) time is money. You can't really sit there and create this super patch. Whereas, you know, a few, the the, the browsing system is going to allow you to get down to something fairly close to what you want fairly quickly. You know, so those are the advantages for, you know, certainly for music to picture. Anybody who works to tight deadlines will tell you you know they'd love to use the modular but they just don't get time you know so it's it, it, it fulfills that need and it's i think it's uh it says here it's uh, in the uk anyway 339 U, uk pounds for omnisphere 2 and obviously that's a free upgrade to 2.5 that's pretty
1: good that's good for what you get in there and i totally agree with you guys i, I think i need to revisit this one actually because some of the stuff that I, i'm doing more and more stuff for tv and adverts and things like that these days and you know, jumping into something like this is going to be actually be really useful. I know I, I barked on in the last show about wanting my desire to use the modular, but there are some things I'm just not able to jump straight out that modular. And and you're absolutely right, Nick, the um, the tight deadlines to work into moving image these days is so short and you need to be able to get to that sound, you know, really quick and, and have a tight r- turnaround on these things. So I think three, 300 odd quid and what you're getting in there, I think... I. I you know, I think that's something that I might invest in off the back of doing a new job that I'm just working on now. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm going to well, this all, one out, all, actually.
0: There's always Native Instruments complete. I mean, these are all kind of big yes. software packages they're right. the same I mean I guess lots of people just have all of them You <laughs> know, and that's that's what you do you know that's when a cost of, that. yeah. cost of operation cost which kind yeah. of leads us quite neatly into this uh, next topic which was uh, something I found on College Humour this was another Facebook find which I, I found and this is uh, the problem with doing what you love for a living this is a cartoon but I think by Jacob a- 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 Andrews man you're so lucky to get to do art for a living no shut up listen when you do a job that's just a job you work 40-50 hours a week when you when those hours are, hours are over you get to stop when you do something you love every waking moment is somehow dedicated to the craft. It's quite it's quite a truism, really. And I think, yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, uh, uh, and I, I think we, could, again, could probably point to Ty Unwin being an example of that. I mean, he works insanely long. I mean, we all do, but he's the sort of like, I couldn't manage that kind of guy. And he's the one who does all of those. So it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? This concept of uh, doing music or, or art or photography, anything that you kind of think, the way that people... Yeah the way that people perceive that as a a way to living and most of us who do it you know we don't generally moan about our job we love it because we have creative freedom most of the time obviously we're working to tight briefs and it's just, i just thought it was an interesting truism and uh, and then at the end of it maybe you should get a different job then no way i i love my job and that kind of sums it up really and i just thought i'd throw that in there and i know that you know both you matt and and uh, and you ben you know we all and, and myself to a degree you know we all do We always have those days, don't you, where you just think, oh, man, this is just feels like a slog. But the rest of the time, it's (laughs) great. It's great, isn't it, Ben?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I had an an interesting conversation about this with someone else. We could moan at each other and kind of get it. Um, And I said, you know, the more successful things become, the more more admin I have to do. Um, And, you know, you get to a point – you know, teething troubles for any kind of business that one person or, or a couple of friends have started, where well, you think we could do it, hiring someone to deal with this bit, but then that's a whole other headache. Um, I'd love someone to do my admin, but the amount of time it would take to go through my mess of how I choose to run things on my own um, and actually having the cash from the projects to do it, you know, it's, it's not really ideal. But yeah, it's the same thing. However much morning we may do on or off camera about how long and hard some days are I don't think any of us would change it
0: yeah I think that's a fair point I don't, know, Matt, I don't know if you concur I mean you know most of the time oh. it's fun that's why we do it right it's it's like a compulsion almost
1: yeah it is it's what you love doing isn't it that's why you got into it um but it is it's a job it is a job at the end of the day and what I say on most open days and and to my students and in fact what this the whole music production course is about for us is is for freelancers essentially. It's gearing up students so when they go out into the industry, they can say yes to all those different jobs that come along. So whether that's working in Ableton or working on a mixing desk or writing plugins in Max MSP or south of computer games or doing moving image-based stuff or even creating moving image-based stuff using cameras, that's what we're setting them up for now, because you know that's what we do. I mean last month alone I, I was working on. A remix, an album, um, and library music. You know that was just that month. The the month before that, I was doing some acoustic consultancy. I was doing something for some adverts. So you're wearing many different hats all the time. There's, there's no, there's nothing like it. You know, if if you want a nice simple job, go and I don't know, learn how to be a chef and and go work in a in a restaurant. You're always going to need to eat and there's all and that kind of thing it's and you can leave your job at six o'clock in the evening and go home with this you know I, li- I leave my job here and i'm straight in the studio finishing off various um various things that i'm working on so it's it's never ending but hey you know it's It is stressful, but it's it's great at the same time. That's exactly what. There's an interesting point
0: about. I I, I suppose the trick is almost not to specialize too much. You know, if you become the person that only does that, you know, like you are the uh, acoustic guitar specialist recorder. You know, you might find after a couple of years of only doing that, you might get a bit sick of it. You know it's the yeah, yeah. it's the variety and the the way that you can de- deviate from it and go "Ah oh, th- I'll do this you know and I'll do that and you know if you're lucky enough to be skilled at a number of different things or have the right take on how to do those things with in a way that people want to to have a part of, then that's the ideal scenario and that's that's probably the hardest thing I mean you don't want to be the guy who or, or the girl who just you know it's like the fade engineer you know <laughs> it's, it's that sort of you yeah. wouldn't want to be that person you know for more than like a week. Maybe you know,
1: yeah, I guess well, my initial desire was to work in a recording studio and work with some great bands, and I did that, and i was I was living in London, sleeping under mixing desks, not seeing my friends, eating poorly, never seeing the sunshine, and I thought, well, I can't continue like this much longer, and I want to dip in and out of this, and i need to, I need to expand more what I'm doing in the industry and and learn some new skills and and what have you so I kind of left that behind and started to branch out and got more into electronic music. And well, actually I'd already had that with me. And then writing to move an image that came along, I got into that world and composing more and, and it just went from there really. And then I realized actually music production industry is so vast and with modern day outlets, like, you know, like what um, Ben's doing with his YouTube channels and, and all that kind of thing that's a very contemporary way to look at the music production industry and 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 to approach it as well and and um and I wish I knew more about that but I I can imagine behind the scenes for Ben it's 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 busy time for him and he's you know the admin like he says as well that goes into all that kind of thing so um yeah it takes a lot of time and effort and you've just got to you've got to these days you've really got to have that push as well if you've got the skills that's one thing But I think the other thing is to is to make sure you're getting up in the morning and cracking on and and spending your time in that day as efficiently as you can to move forward in in what you want to do. Because, you know, sat around watching daytime TV uh, for five hours and then maybe doing something in the evening. It's, you know, it's not going to cut it. Not not in this sort of industry right now.
0: That's very true. Very, very, Very true.
2: My friend, uh, a friend described it as overlapping roller coasters. You've got that almost fear of the uphill as a project starts. You've, you've taken on too much. It's, it's, it's this mountain of work to climb, and then the kind of thrill and elation that comes of either, you know, going down the roller coaster. Or for me, the first little thrill is when I hit render and export in Final Cut, and then again <laughs> when I can hit up YouTube knowing it's right. But by that point, the next one started. So by the time the payoff, the thrill has come of the work being finished, you're already halfway up the climb of the next project. So I quite like that overlapping roller coaster. Um, yeah, and, and
0: and I suppose the other thing is, you know, if you do video stuff, you do get. Um, you know in the old days when you know you'd release music and you could watch it climb a chart of whatever description it may be you know that's where you got the kind of and you get that when you release a video so you can kind of you then compulsively check all the comments to make sure that you know nobody says why didn't you do this and then you can answer you know or see how the views are going oh that went well you know that that's that's a buzz in itself so certainly from yeah. a, not only so really a music side of things but it's con- creating content for a wider generation you know that's out of the constraints of you know working for a TV channel or whatever where things are much more compartmentalised and formalised. You know, that, that works really well. Uh, here's a guy who's uh, who, who does what he wants and has been for 27 years.
2: <laughs>
0: this is a guy uh, called Lindsay Pollock. Uh, I think he is Australian, and he makes wind instruments. This is, this is a contrabass clarinet made from a hose pipe. I think it's going through a phaser, but it sounds a lot like a synth. That's a great sounding thing. I think he's using an RC-505 looper pedal. It's sort of like, I guess what he's doing is, it's almost like musical clowning, but I mean, it's one aspect of it. He makes and designs and invents instruments. Uh, he composes, he creates kind of events. He does all sorts of stuff. He's been doing this for 27 years. And uh, this, Mark Tilley said this and just said, I can't believe how much this sounds like a synth. And there's a bit, uh, we'll see if we get to this in a sec, because right that's a lot of bottom end on that so he's got a contact mic on there and I think what he's going to do yeah we'll see he flips over so that's called um, Miss, Mr Curly that instrument and this is uh, another way. he's obviously a pretty damn good player because uh, when he sticks the contact mic on you're going to get to This is uh, looks like a, just a feather duster with a load of holes in it. So anyway, this was at some sort of agricultural show, so this is what he does, you know, and so he's he's kind of living living the dream in his own peculiar way. I just thought it was cool, but what was interesting about this is how synthy some of those things I think there might have been a phaser on a lot of that, so it, it kind of adds a little extra synthetic quality but i mean clarinets and baser clarinets you know they've um are clarinet what are clarinets are they uh uh, s- triangle waves, or are they square waves? I forget which way around it is, because the patch book isn't there, you know, where you go, make it sound like a clarinet, and I'm f- I
2: can't remember if it's mm. a square. Is it a square? Oh, a patch. Yeah,
0: is it a square wave? I can't, I can't remember. remember. Sounds a bit like it, doesn't it? Uh,
2: it's, it's not. Well, tr- I think triangles and squares are both odd harmonics, just more of them with more energy in a square. We're similar, if we think triangle or so, uh, or square. Sorry. Um this guy's great um i looked on his channel and it was about 10 years ago i think he made one of those clara, uh claret, carrot clarinets um a oh. bit like the um there was a chinese guy if i remember oh right, yeah that's named, right um, flutes you know out stuff um his channel's great there's loads of interesting stuff on there um the condom bagpipe the rubber glove bagpipe mr curly the contrabass clarinet there's a ton of interesting and odd, quirky stuff on there. Um, running, you know, with loopers, making up layers and, and pieces like this performance. Ah, here we um, go. This is it, The Art of out.
0: Food. There we go. So that's him playing carrots. And we've, so he just makes... I think he makes them... Plays a potato. Okay, Ivan playing a potato. So he's drilling it up. Let's see what happens. So yeah, <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. I mean, that must be fun. I mean, he, he's a very sort of clowny personality, and that that, that must be great because he just kind of gets to do what he wants. And he's—you could download. There's a book if you go to uh, Lindsay Pollack, two l two l's a k uh, dot com. Uh, there's a book in which she shows how to make Mister Curly. If you are interested, Matt, which I'm sure, given the sound it makes, why wouldn't you? Hello.
1: Sorry,
0: catching up on some work.
1: What's <laughs> sound.
0: Ah, okay. Um. All right. Well, uh, let's see what I can do here. Then I, I probably can't do much about that, but I'll assume that Matt would have liked it too. And uh,
2: yeah, Matt, Matt liked
1: it
0: more um, than liked it. Yeah, he's he's speechless. In fact,
1: yes. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say on this one. I mean. <laughs> um, yeah, what do you say about that? I mean, it, it, I tell you what, you it need, must be. Yeah, and it's it's a damn sight cheaper than than doing Euro Rack, that's for sure. I mean, you just pop to Sainsbury's and get a bag of carrots for what two pound
2: fifty. Happy days. I All was just a drink. thinking. <laughs> I was just thinking, as you mentioned Sainsbury's, I wonder if whatever grocery store supermarket near him know what he does. So when he goes, you know, tools down to the to the market with his little bag of veg, if, if they're thinking, what is he doing with this today? Because he's sticking all sorts of weird stuff to this veg when you get into the uh, channel. I like to think they know and they're guessing before he actually goes back or uploads anything.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. Anyway, that's that, I just thought that was a nice one to end on, you know, after the talk of work and you know the uh, the, the that somebody doing something completely unique and obviously been doing it for a long time. Yeah. If you check it out, it's uh, Pollack dot com. Uh, there's yeah. all of his stuff and his YouTube channel's got a, a whole ton of it uh i'm guessing ivan is maybe his alter ego so um you know his clown name i'm not sure because it's not Ivan; it's obviously Lindsay pollack so i I don't really get that quite but that's all right we can deal with the idea of a, a, a nom de plume or a pseudonym so chaps thank you ever so much for joining us this week it's been great fun thanks to everybody in the chat room we've got uh the youtube chatties and also yeah making 24 karat gold over there that's a great one blazing hot beats nice pun and also you folks in the IRC chat room, uh, sonicstate.com live. You could join us every week, Wednesday, 4 p.m., where we stream lists live and to Facebook as well. Though I'm thinking maybe I won't bother with Facebook for much longer. There's not all that many people who pick up on it. And I don't know whether that's just a change in the discovery about our uh, algorithm for Facebook or um, people just aren't interested. I can't tell. It's difficult to know. There's no feedback there. You know- um, sorry.
2: You never know. The, the, yep. These algorithms change about you knowing and everything just seems to feel different and
1: Absolutely.
2: it's out there controlled by other forces.
0: Yes, that's very wise words there, Ben. So, Ben, um, Divkid, Ben uh, uh, on YouTube, if you want to check his stuff out, uh, thank you very much for joining us, Ben. What have you got coming up next? What's in the What's in the out tray? Uh
2: I've quite a few videos finished, actually. It's been summer. i, I Tried to really stockpile up videos to keep a nice schedule um, while I go back to work at college and the schools. Um, in the next couple of weeks, uh, AGH Synth v shape, a wave twist distorting folding uh, unit. Some stuff on the Tiptop Audio ZDSP. Um, couple of other module videos. A uh, First video with a surge. Someone joined late and said, what's that? Um, I said at the start, I'd got a panel of uh, surge. I've got some patch stuff with that. Um, Yeah, I've got some series of stuff as well, like patching one module back on itself, looking at exploring feedback, some kind of ambient drone study, music to study to kind of long-form stuff. Um, So, yeah, some new content. Plenty. more of the same.
0: Plenty. Well, Ben, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure as ever. And also uh, Mr. Matthew Hodson there, who's obviously uh, at college preparing for the onslaught of the new. So are you looking after that? Will you get new students or are these most of the ones coming back for their second or third years?
1: Yeah, we'll have new students arriving in October. Um, We have graduation happening in September for those students who have just finished. And we do that at the Brighton Dome. Um, we have our patron comes along, Mr. Roger Daltrey usually pops along and, uh, gives the students their, their, uh, certificates, which is nice of him. Um, so yeah, we're just, I'm just prepping for all of that. Outside of that, um, I'm just rebuilding my studio, as you know, soldering, putting things together. I should have all that done by the weekend and then I can crack on with some music. Um, and I've just started putting out some more of my, podcast which is it's called the ambient hour i forgot about this actually it's um one hour of uninterrupted ambient music that you can just put on in the background while you're working and um it, it's just all sort of synthy and noodly. i think it's probably yeah it's up on itunes if anyone wants to check it wow, out that
0: sounds great yeah great look forward to that i will check that out i'm always that's looking awesome. for stuff to listen Thanks. to while i'm working normally listening to audio books but that's quite distracting because you kind yeah, of like oh. i can't
1: do that i I can't do anything if it's got words in it. I just tend to listen to ambient playlists. So I thought I'll just make some of these. I I originally did it for a local radio station here in Brighton a few years ago, and they said it was fine for me to start putting up onto YouTube and iTunes. So, um, yeah, I've just started putting them up. So yeah, the ambient hour, one hour of ambient music. That
0: sounds great. Well, thank you very much, everybody. That was Sonic Talk episode, uh, 547. and uh, Don't forget, uh, if you want to enter the competition to win a copy of Isotope Vocal Synth, we're looking for the hashtag World of Vocals, as one word, the hashtag VocalSynth2, to, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. You enter that uh, into a tweet and it will be picked up by our super-duper search algorithm, whatever it is, uh, and we can pick a winner from the winners, from the entries. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, we'll see you all next time. That was Sonic Talk, episode 547. Bye-bye now.